0: Welcome to the All Things Nintendo Podcast. I'm Brian Shea from Game Informer, and this is a weekly podcast to discuss all the biggest news and games from the world of Nintendo. We are still waiting for the first Nintendo Direct of 2024, but we have a couple of new releases to talk about. We're going to start the show with just two people, but once we get to the main segment, we'll be welcoming a third voice to the show. But for now, it's just me and my primary guest of this episode, Kyle Hilliard. Kyle, what's going on today?
1: Hey, we say still waiting for a Direct that's been... 40 days.
0: (laughs) I know, but I feel like every single episode, it's like, all right, is the direct happening this week? Like we've been on direct watch for about three weeks now.
1: I live on direct watch. That's I'm in that tower every day looking out into the sea of the internet, hoping for the best. I don't know. It's just funny. I know directs are just so people are just like frothing for like, give us a direct now. And I'm like, we'll get it when we get it guys. (laughs) Well, it's because there's all these rumors about, Switch 2,
0: which I know you love talking about. We were just uh, yeah, talking before, right before we hit record. Before we start recording, I was like, we
1: don't, we don't have to talk about Switch 2 until Nintendo says, here it is, right? Like, we're done at this point. But no, of course yeah. Not. Well, that's we'll why
0: I think so many people are, like, frothing at the mouth for a Nintendo Direct. Because, like, they're like, all right, well, we might not get the Switch 2 news in this Direct. But it might be like, all right, here's, like, the final stuff that is going to be, like, Switch 1 exclusive. But also, you know, there's the uh, the whole thing of like, we don't really know what's coming out past April at this point. Like April is the last month that has like a significant amount of games announced to be releasing.
1: Yeah. What do we have? Paper Mario remaster. Right. And then that's. Yeah. But I mean, that's what I guess. Yeah. What else is there? Really? Splatoon DLC? Splatoon DLC is next week. Is it really? Oh, yeah. Sneaks up on you. What really was the does. timeline for Switch? Do you remember? When did they, did they announce it in? Because it released in oh, it was March. a very
0: late thing. Because I think that it was announced officially in like, oh God, like October of 2016. And then like the, the full reveal was like February of right. 2017. Because yeah, it, it
1: released in March, right? Which was yeah, like a, March 3rd,
0: 2017.
1: Okay, which was a strange time to launch a console, but ultimately worked out pretty dang well.
0: Yeah. I mean, I... I I think that they're probably going to do something similar, but uh, it's funny because we were just talking about how much you did not want to talk about switch two. And we inadvertently veered right into that
1: lane. Well, so I'm not talking about like rumors though. I mean, like I was asking when the switch, like what was the timeline for that? But like, you know, I just, I'm tired of like that new story. That's like rumors are pointing to here's what switch two is going to be. It's going to have these features. And it's like every one of those stories has just fallen through um okay, so the switch I'm...
0: pro is going to get announced any minute now <laughs> the thing that thing we've I, been I mean, waiting I, for I, for the past two years
1: i, I don't want to like uh, misconstrue like i'm very excited for a switch follow-up absolutely give it to me you know fry from futurama holding up his money take my money meme but like i i just like i'm tired of like speculation and rumors like i just i'm ready for the official thing
0: Yeah. I I mean, I'm right there with you. I just More than anything, I want a name to be able to call it instead of just saying Switch 2. It's almost like when we were all calling it Breath of the Wild sequel and not Tears of the Kingdom because we didn't (laughs) know that name. Um, I'm kind of at that point where it's like I'm tired of saying Switch 2 unless that's the official name, in which case I'll feel a little bit better about it.
1: But it won't be the, though, right? There's no way it's switched to. I mean it should be, but it won't be, right? It would be smart, but I
0: mean <laughs> yeah. they've they've never done the closest they've ever come to that is Super Nintendo instead of yeah. just calling like instead of Nintendo.
1: Like <laughs> Super Switch. I mean I guess
0: yeah. there was Game Boy Advance,
1: yeah, which was kind of
0: DS to three DS. So there have been like some things, Wii to Wii U, which <laughs> maybe that killed that convention forever of know, just having remember. like an extra letter or word in front of <laughs> in front of or behind the original or the the previous console. I think yeah. that might have been like the thing that killed it for good. Uh but we'll see. We will I, I think that we will find out uh in the next several months. <laughs> Very safe Wow, prediction.
1: what a <laughs> You're really going on a limb hot...
0: there. <laughs> Sometime before the end of the world, we will know what the next Nintendo console is All called. All
1: right, I'm going to hold you to that. I'm going to hold you to that.
0: All right, Kyle, let's jump into this news. The big news of the week that everybody was waiting for was not nintendo related it was xbox related and uh you know we talked about the rumors on last week's episode of oh xbox is going multi-platform they're going third party and uh turns out that was the thing that they already do (laughs) exactly (laughs) and uh you know we had grown adults on the internet throwing temper tantrums and doing their equivalent of like You know, when LeBron James announced he was going to the Miami Heat, everybody burning their like all the Cleveland Cavaliers fans posting videos of them burning LeBron James jerseys in the streets. And they basically did that equivalent in in the Xbox fandom, in certain corners of the Xbox fandom, I should say. Uh, But Phil Spencer last week said that they were going to they were planning a, quote, business update. And it resulted in a special episode of the Xbox podcast that came out yesterday. And here's what it boiled down to. They're going to start bringing more. And I'm saying more because they've already been doing this. They did Ori in the Blind Forest, Will of the Wisps, uh, yeah. a few other and, games. And they
1: they purchased Minecraft, right? Like that's, I understand that that's a little different, but I mean, that's that's huge, right? That is an yeah. Xbox-owned game that's on every platform. Uh-huh.
0: Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, there's there's several games, right? And yeah. they had that that agreement with Nintendo for how GoldenEye was released, uh, you know, it came on Switch Online and Xbox on the same day. And then they signed that multi-year contract with uh, Nintendo to bring Call of Duty to Nintendo platforms in the future. So this is not unprecedented and people people acted like the sky was falling and here's what it became here's what happened right like they're gonna bring more xbox games multi-platform but here are the stipulations only after they've been exclusive for xbox for at least a year it's not going to be every xbox game xbox games will still be included in game pass on day one And they're starting with just four games, which they're not going (laughs) to announce what they are because they said they want to let their partners do that, which many people are saying hints at a Nintendo Direct next week, which by the way, that's also my prediction. I think it is going to be next week because that's also what some rumors and reportage on the street has indicated. Uh, One of the ones I'm seeing, uh, it was Giant Bomb's Jeff Grubb saying that Nintendo was originally going to have it this week and then Xbox announced them to postpone it in order to make their announcement about like the the podcast announcement that we're covering right now, because they wanted to be the first ones to be like, Hey, some Xbox games are coming to other platforms. Just be prepared for that. Yeah. That is what, that is one rumor or report that I'm seeing float around. And I, I think that is in line with kind of what I'm, the vibes are <laughs> I'm feeling right now in terms of like, yeah. it it felt like, cause you know, we got a couple of trailers that we're going to go over as well that I think would have felt right at home on a Nintendo direct, but like their first party Nintendo games, they're probably like, Oh, well this, our timing was this, so we're going to get them out now. Yeah. Um, but reportedly these are the four games that are coming to other platforms. They didn't say which ones, but Pentiment, which is uh, the obsidian kind of visual novel, right? Uh, hi-fi rush which was the tango game works surprise hit of the year last year honestly
1: yeah which feels Um, i mean just to be on the nintendo podcast feels like a game that would be right at home on switch like it feels like it would it just feels like a switch game you know
0: oh for sure and that's the big rumor is hi-fi rush is going to be announced as coming to switch on the next nintendo direct which is fitting because it was originally surprise launched on an xbox live stream right uh, sea of Thieves being the third one, and then Grounded, another Obsidian title, um, coming apparently to multi platforms. I think that the ones that I mean, all four of those would actually make sense coming to Switch if the Switch can handle Sea of Thieves. But like, they, I mean, they they seem like they would be good fits for multi platform stuff. None yeah, of these are absolutely. like the biggest game in Xbox's stable. But they are ones that benefit from having more eyes on it. And I mean, Pentiment and Hi-Fi Rush were games that were critically acclaimed, but maybe didn't get the biggest player bases. So to expand that out and be like, hey, look at these amazing games that we're putting out. Those makes uh, a lot of sense. See if these and Grounded are multiplayer games. If they could figure out cross, uh, cross play, that would be huge for those communities, I would ab- imagine.
1: I bet they figured uh, it out.
0: I mean, you would think so but like still every once in a while a game will launch and it won't have cross play and you're like well, what are we doing here guys yes that's just all
1: sony i mean when it comes so, down to, <laughs>
0: right? those are the reported uh titles they're saying there's probably gonna be more in the future uh shout out tina amini over at xbox previously uh yeah. of uh, kotaku IGN. and ign she does yes. uh, amazing work And uh, she asked directly the two that people were losing their minds over about Starfield and Indiana Jones. And Phil Spencer directly said not Starfield or Indiana Jones right now. So, I mean, obviously he didn't want to like immediately say never. He, I think he even said like, you never want to say never, but like, we are not planning on Starfield or Indiana Jones to go multi-platform, which were the two that everybody was losing their minds over. And uh, then like adding on to this, there were a couple of interesting quotes from Xbox leadership. First, we'll start with one from Xbox president, Sarah Bond. She said, quote, there's some exciting stuff coming out in hardware that we're going to share this holiday. We're also invested in the next generation roadmap. What we're really focused on there is delivering the largest technical leap you will have ever seen in a hardware generation, which makes it better for players and better for creators and the visions that they're building. So, I mean, every next console is the greatest console that's ever been made. If you're listening to like a company talking about it, <laughs> but oh, yeah. Yeah. like there is something interesting there. Cause there was all those rumors of like, well, Xbox is getting out of hardware. So that was, uh, I think very intentional for them to include that in their, their presentation. Yeah. Uh, and then Phil Spencer had an interview with the verge and they asked him directly if like the next generation of Xbox includes handhelds like the switch And he had a couple of quotes here. He started off just saying, I'm a big fan of handhelds. He gives a hearty little laugh. I'm a big fan, but nothing to announce. And then another later on in that same quote said, so, okay, what keeps people from playing certain hours? Well, there's some sleep, school, and kind of normal life, but some of it is just access. Do I have access to the games that I want to play right now? Obviously, we're kind of learning from what Nintendo has done over the years with Switch. They've been fantastic with that. So when I look at Steam Deck and the ROG and my Legion Go, I'm a big fan of that space. So that's
1: interesting to hear Phil directly say stuff like that. Um, yeah, I, I would love that. A, a sort of dedicated handheld device. I don't want a streaming device, to be clear. I don't want what Sony did personally. You know, that thing seems to be somewhat successful. People who seem to like it. But I yeah, I I would love like, you know, like my Steam Deck, like a device that plays games locally uh that's connected to game pass and stuff that'd be cool i'd be super into that as a person who i've talked about how i've
0: recently gotten a steam deck ha- i was so hopeful they were going to be like yeah we're bringing game pass apps to steam deck and whatever rog ally uses and like that would have been cool to have yeah. like game pass stuff on the go because right now like if you have a game pass subscription as i do you can only download them through the Windows Store, which is not, you know, natively compatible with the Steam Deck. I know there's people who
1: modify yeah. their Steam Deck in it, ways. It's a that huge can play other pain stuff. to get anything outside of Steam on your Steam Deck. Like it's totally doable, but it it's it's tricky and difficult, and generally not worth it, is what I've sort of discovered.
0: Hmm. All right. Well, I mean, what do you make of all this stuff? Like, do I, the were you underwhelmed? Or did you think like this is kind of what we were getting? Because I think a lot of people were like, wow, we made all like much ado about nothing on this part of the uh the the headlines, right? Because everybody was freaking out thinking this was going to be like Xbox announcing that they were just going full on third party, which I don't think was ever something that crossed my mind. But I think maybe I was expecting a bit more of like a seismic announcement. Like I talked about last week how I thought Starfield would have been a good candidate to eventually bring multi platform, but um you know, I'm glad that it's remaining exclusive for now for the people who, I guess, care about that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I was, I was generally, I, I was, I was pretty severely underwhelmed by the whole thing. Um, and not because I expected it to be a big announcement. I thought they were pretty clear in that they were like, you know, this is a business update. You know, I, it's just going to be sort of a. I, I didn't expect to get like any major announcements or anything like that, but it just was like a lot of like just you know jargon and sort of platitudes about the power of xbox and stuff like that and like i don't know i just it almost felt like unnecessary overall it was nice to have the tease of hardware uh it was nice that diablo 4 is coming to game pass i guess if you're if you're excited about that i, I it's not a game that i uh, am particularly interested in myself um and it was kind of like why if you're okay you so you're sharing that four games are coming but we're not going to share what they are why didn't we just hold out for whatever this proper announcement is going to be maybe it's a a nintendo direct announcement next week right like maybe that's what it would have been it would have been like these games are coming to switch whoa isn't that crazy um and like you know spencer sort of like touched on the 2000 people that were laid off for microsoft in like one sentence and just kind of quickly moved on to be like, yeah, we just gotta, you know, be ready for the future of Xbox, and it just felt it, a lot of it felt hollow to me. You know, I don't know. I'm I'm being a little cynical about it all, but uh, that's hey, Brian. That's how I feel. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it was something that
0: really exceeded expectations. I thought maybe we would get a little bit more information like i thought maybe we were going to get like hey here are the the games that are coming if nothing else but like just saying hey we're going to start with four games our partners are going to announce those in the near future just felt a little underwhelming and unsatisfying but like at at least we do have the reporting out there that these are the four that are likely to be coming like i'm glad that we have that
1: i mean and they Uh, ostensibly like announced them like i mean v- via leaks or whatever i mean if, if it's not those four games i i will be surprised genuinely but when but if when but i don't know i don't know anything but if it is those four games i'm i'm just gonna kind of feel like oh well, yeah we knew that <laughs> you know yeah like
0: if nintendo does have a nintendo direct next week and like they play it for like this is a big surprise and it's like hi-fi rush is coming to switch we're gonna be like oh okay
1: <laughs> yeah. we're not gonna be like whoa but i also i understand that they were eager to say something because the the big super passionate xbox fans were sort of freaking out right like uh that they i i guess that they weren't gonna have ex- exclusives anymore is it, i guess or they were are they worried that like they're going the way of sega i, I don't know what the, i don't understand the fear but that's just a like my a, a misconception on my own part of understanding why anyone gets super passionate about exclusives to begin with i i don't know (laughs) i don't know man i
0: i have i'm just such a cheerleader for corporations that i i get it
1: (laughs) (laughs) all right yeah i mean no but i mean it's nice i will say like the one the one upside to exclusives that i can i guess i can kind of understand is usually the games are more stable because the developers have to only have to focus on one platform it's like about the only reason I could ever sort of come up with that. Like, yeah, exclusives are benefit the, the player. But ultimately, like, I just want every game on every system. So no matter what, you know, platform you decide to invest in, you you can play the games you want to play. So, I don't yeah, know. I wonder how
0: Pokemon Scarlet and Violet would run on a PS5. <laughs> It'd
1: run pretty great, <laughs> I think.
0: <laughs> um yeah, I mean, I, I think that th- there are benefits to having exclusives, and that like you can develop something specifically for that hardware. Yeah, like I think Lord it helps developers. Like, yeah, Astro's Playroom being a, I mean, that's a tech demo more than an actual game, but that game rules, and it was designed with like very specific PS5 technological capabilities in mind. And yeah. uh, I mean, same thing for, you could even like make it just like a more generic uh, PlayStation exclusive, like The Last of Us Part Two. like the visual fidelity of that is incredible. And I wonder if like they would have had to like take a step back if they were developing it for multi-platform, even though I, I, from what I understand, like developing for both PS5 and Xbox Series X is much easier than it was for like developing for Xbox 360 and PS3 because the PS3 oh, sure. was so- yeah distinct in its architecture but like the ps5 is much more uniformed with the other platforms now but still and same thing for like the switch everything i've heard of is the switch is so much easier to develop than the wii u was like the wii u was somewhat of a nightmare to develop for from yeah, uh, yeah. from the, the developers i've talked to right so i mean there's there's positives and negatives um and that, that would explain why we don't have Metal Gear Solid 4 on other platforms by this point.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe,
0: maybe one day. But uh, yeah, I mean, that, that, there's really not much else to say from like a Nintendo perspective on these, uh, these updates from Xbox. Hopefully, we'll hear more through a Nintendo Direct very soon. And I think, again, all four of those, Pentiment, Hi-Fi Rush, Sea of Thieves, and Grounded would be excellent fits. Yeah. for the switch i mean sea of thieves was probably the most technically uh demanding title of those four
1: yeah. i mean grounded it is grounded is as well um uh, but yeah, yeah but sea of thieves uh, that's that's that is the one because those water physics are pretty incredible you kind of you raise a little bit of an eyebrow on. it's like how would that work on you know a switch conceivably I, i'm not but sure. that
0: would be i mean those would all have like the the right tone i think to find a good home on switch
1: yes yeah yeah
0: um but yeah so that's that's what xbox had to say this week that was the the big news which we were we were kind of underwhelmed but like some people were like oh that's what we were upset about okay never mind that's not a big deal
1: sure uh, yeah
0: yeah <laughs> uh at least i've I've seen a lot of the the fury die down since uh since that uh, that podcast gotcha but uh all right, let's move on to some Nintendo specific stuff. We have, like I like I said at the top of the show, Splatoon 3 side order expansion comes out a week from today. There were hands-on sessions that occurred recently. I was invited to them, but I was unable to make it. But all of them seemed rather positive. And we did get a new this is trailer. A, is this a
1: single player? Yes. Content? Okay. Single
0: okay, player cool, cool. expansion. The trailer itself is about five minutes long, so they kind of go in-depth about what to expect here. So they say, Ascend the Spire of Order and battle waves of enemies. You assume the role of Agent 8, and you work alongside Pearl from Off the Hook. So you remember Pearl from from Splatoon 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, or I guess Splatoon 3. I don't know. I, yeah, Splatoon 2. That That's where Pearl and Marina were. Uh, some reason, though, Pearl is a drone now. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> Sounds so like, like some... She's like remote calling in. I don't know. It just said Pearl who is now a drone. And it's just like a little floating robot that follows you around. looks nothing like Pearl. It sounds like some (laughs) kind of like dream logic stuff going on there. It's like, yeah, look, it was you, but it didn't look like you kind of stuff, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm into that. Um,
0: And they talk about the cyclical gameplay, which leads it to really have like a roguelite type of feel. And so the first part is floor selection. You go up one floor at a time. You select one of three objectives that they present you with. and You have to complete them. And each one has different difficulties and clear conditions. So there's one that's like destroy the portals where enemies are coming out of into the, the, the level. There's another one where you have to like chase down enemies. I'm assuming like you have to go into like the squid form and like swim through to chase them, which I love those moments where you're like really speeding along. as like the squid. Yeah. Uh, guiding a ball through a level, uh, controlling points and like, kind of like AI multiplayer matches. So you just choose which one. Each one is labeled as like easy, medium, or hard in uh, difficulty. And then, uh, so that's floor selection. Then there's color chip enhancement. So these are little upgrades you can place on your character. They include things like increasing fire rate, raising damage, having a faster dodge roll, and you can unlock over 60 of these. And you can use different combinations to build out your customizable loadout. And you can apparently also customize the the pearl drone. And then the third part of this is objective completion. And the higher you go on the spire, the the more difficult the enemies and objectives are. And if you fail, you have to start all over. You lose all of your color chips, but you earn pearls, which is a currency that can be used to unlock permanent upgrades. So that will be things like additional lives on your runs, uh, reduced incoming damage, and enhanced versions of your abilities and then you go back to the floor selection part of the gameplay so it's just like that three-part cycle of choosing your floor uh choosing your objectives and then choosing what upgrades you want and then trying to complete them and if you if you complete them you go up to the next floor if you don't you go back to the start and then yeah the cycle just starts anew there so this comes out next friday a week from today uh how are you feeling about this i know you enjoy some of the splatoon single-player stuff as i do
1: yeah i really liked splatoon 3's um single-player campaign a lot especially like the last hour or two of it i thought was excellent oh phenomenal yeah um but yeah i mean if you know i have to take these things realistically i don't know if i'm gonna have time to play it i i'm 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 still in RPG mode, you know. I finish like a dragon. I I want to play. You're good. No more games. No more games. I'm done. Um, so I don't know if I if I'll be able to find the time to play it. But like I think this is maybe a strange statement, but like the single player stuff is the stuff I like in Splatoon. I don't really get into the multiplayer mode, um, which I know like I said, might be the ramblings of a lunatic, um, but I just don't really, I don't get into multiplayer games very much. So Um, yeah, we'll see. Maybe maybe I'll, maybe I'll find some time for it. I, I, I certainly, I certainly predict it will be good. Yeah,
0: I'm definitely going to check it out. I don't know if we'll be able to talk about it next week because I don't think that Nintendo typically provides like codes for expansions before they come out. So we might have to record before this hits, which hopefully that means that there's a Nintendo Direct that I can talk about, because if there isn't, we might have to get creative with next week's topics, because I don't think there's <laughs> any games to talk about. Um, but uh, yeah, that comes out February 22nd, a week from today, only on Nintendo Switch. It's not a part of any kind of expansion pack on Nintendo Switch Online. That's only the Splatoon 2 expansions, which, by the way, has the Octo Expansion, which is also a single-player expansion that they put out for splatoon Two, so also very much worth checking out if you're a splatoon two player um next up we got another trailer this time for princess peach showtime and uh that shows off a few more transformations these trailers are interesting because i covered one very recently i don't know if it was last week or the week before i think it was two weeks ago but we've got Like just showing off, like all right, here are some like like four or five transformations that Peach will be able to use in Princess Peach Showtime, Mm -hmm. and they explain what it is, and then they show like literally like three seconds of gameplay before moving on. It's like very very quick hit, like don't even get a chance to understand. But I tried to like parse what each one does. So the first one was Figure Skater Peach. And it looks like she can skate around and twirl to like defeat enemies. And she can even like grab enemies and swing them around to looks like make them dizzy. I don't know if that's to stun them or put them in like a state where you can attack them or something. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mermaid peach where she can uh, she's better at swimming and apparently she can sing as well. It looks like there's some like singing mini games. I don't know if it's like rhythm based or like you have to collect musical notes or something, but she is singing underwater so, uh, that's mermaid peach, uh,
1: <laughs>
0: dashing thief peach. This one looks fun. She can run along the roofs and she has like a grapple hook that she can grapple up to. She looks like a persona five character, uh, in like the phantom thief outfits. So that's fun. Uh, but dashing thief peach, ladies and gentlemen, then we have uh, mighty peach. This one looks like it's going to be the most action packed of pretty much all of them. She dresses like a superhero and she can fly and she can punch enemies and, it looks like it's kind of like almost like almost like our uh, old school like R type type gameplay where she's flying from left to right and she can like go up and down it's like a 2D side scrolling space shooter almost but she's a superhero and she's attacking enemies that are coming from the right I'm I'm intrigued by this one I still have no idea what this game is though <laughs> Yeah I mean I guess it's just like an action game right it's just levels and I mean there's it's interesting because there are some where it's like, okay, she's a, like a sword fighter and she's in, she has like Kung Fu abilities and she's a superhero. And there's other ones where it's like, she can bake pastries and it's like, what are, what are we doing here? Like, what is, I have no idea what to expect from this, but
1: yeah, It's kind of we'll nice. To... I, I don't mind going into games like that though, where I'm sort of like, I don't know what this is, you know, we'll see.
0: Yeah. I know that there was a, uh, an event recently for this game. So hopefully we'll be able to learn more about it soon. But that that game comes out March 22nd on Switch. So uh, a month from next Friday, we will have a review on that game, presumably. Presumably. Uh, A couple weeks ago, we got some news that Shadow Cross Sonic Generations was coming and that a Shadow costume was coming to Sonic Superstars. And people were very excited to play as Shadow in Sonic Superstars because people... Wait, hold on.
1: It's just, it's a costume? Well,
0: yeah, but, like, here's the thing is, like, so far the costumes have been, like, there's been a couple where Sonic is, like, wearing a a Santa hat for Christmas. Or there's been others where it's, like, all right, the, the Sonic Lego costume that actually transforms him completely into a Lego version of Sonic. There's okay. also one that's, like, the rabbit prototype from the before he was uh, Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, he was, fun. like, a rabbit that they were using for the, the prototype of Sonic 1. That's very cool stuff. So everybody thought that this costume was going to be, like, actually – it's just like Sonic, but like he's skinned as Shadow, right? Yeah. It turns out they were being literal when they called it a costume. It's literally Sonic wearing a shadow costume like it's like a shadow outfit that's around sonic's body and then like the oh. face is cut out and you can see that it's still sonic it looks like he literally okay. skinned shadow and put his his carcass over his body it's I gotta very look this thing strange
1: up. yeah I, I i thought shadow was just like coming to the game as a new character you could select okay
0: do, do you have the the visual there of like I'm,
1: holding, I'm getting to it i'm trying to find it i mean oh, it was all re- over. yeah it looks like he's wearing a hoodie.
0: Yeah, it's very strange. Like everybody was like, You guys announced something cool that we all we all wanted, and then it's immediately like, a, a monkey paw situation of like yeah. I
1: don't think I don't think this is what anyone
0: was asking for. <laughs> no, but like they, they should have clarified that it will be Sonic wearing a shadow costume instead of just being like, Yep, a shadow costume is coming to Sonic superstars.
1: Well, I mean they called it shadow costume from the start. They did. Which oh, everybody just yeah, thought that guess, meant like shadow skin. Yeah. No, I yeah, I, that's exactly what I thought. Right? But it is a costume, so they weren't li- they weren't lying. Yeah, they weren't <laughs> lying. It was just a very very
0: weird execution on something yeah. that people were actually excited about.
1: <laughs> weird. Okay.
0: You and it goes back Sega? to the quote that I I got from Takashi Azuka when we did the Sonic Superstars cover story. I asked why shadow is not in sonic superstars and like why they decided not to. And he's like, well, he doesn't fit into the timeline. Like he's not a part of the classic sonic timeline. And, you know, Sonic and shadow didn't know each other back then. And now, uh, you know, he's he, at this point in the story, he is still like frozen in a, uh, in a pod in, on the space colony. So yeah. I, I guess they're uh-huh. adhering to that. But like, cool. then again, how does he have, uh, how does he have a shadow costume if they don't know who each other is?
1: It's just a cool hoodie at that point.
0: It is a cool hoodie. I wish I had a Shadow the Hedgehog hoodie.
1: Uh, it exists, just a heads up, but when I was Googling this, there was one for sale, so you can get one.
0: Well, this skin, uh, or sorry, costume, came out yesterday, and uh, you can download it for free right now, regardless of which platform you are playing Sonic Superstars on. So, not as exciting as we once thought, just like the Xbox News. A lot of things that are just not as exciting <laughs> and uh, eventful as we thought. Right. Uh, things that were kind of exciting and lived up to the expectations, I mentioned this a few episodes ago, the live performances that are not actually live are available now to watch on Nintendo's YouTube channel. So there is the Legend of Zelda Orchestra concert. That That's is fun. a 30-minute performance featuring music from Tears of the Kingdom, Link's Awakening, Breath of the Wild, Ocarina of Time, A Link to the Past, all kinds of games. I saw it live back in, uh, in Seattle at PAX West because that was also coinciding with Nintendo Live. Just goosebump inducing. I I definitely teared up more than a couple of times seeing it live. I mean, Mm. definitely hits different when you're there live and there's a a huge orchestra playing these songs with like the, the game uh, footage playing in the background. That is a different type of experience than watching it on YouTube, but it's still very cool seeing it all play out on YouTube. Um, It seems like it might be the exact same kind of set list, in this performance so the reason they did this is because they were supposed to have the nintendo live event in tokyo this week but that got canceled so they're like oh we're still going to do the performances but we'll just put them on youtube instead of having it be for our attendees and my theory is that maybe they already signed contracts with these performers and then when the events rather than when the event got canceled rather than being like oh well let's pay like a, a breach of contract fee or something. They were like, well, let's still get some content out of this these contracts that we already have signed. Um at least that's my theory. I don't know if that's actually right. the case. So that went up uh earlier this week. And then a day later we got the Splatoon 3 Deep Cut concert. Now at the Seattle event, it was the Super Mario Big Band concert that was the performance. But I, I guess because Splatoon is a little bit bigger over in Japan, they did they replaced the Mario concert with Splatoon 3. And that was about 40 minutes of Splatoon music with an emphasis on Splatoon 3. it started out with like a multiplayer uh, medley and then it went on to some other like more specific songs. Definitely more of a rock vibe than the orchestral performance uh, that Zelda got, but it's pretty fun. Mm. And they also had some of the characters up on screens behind the band singing and dancing along. So that was fun. Uh, But you can see both of these live concerts on the various regional Nintendo YouTube channels. Are you going to check either of these out?
1: Uh, yeah, maybe I'll uh, that's the kind of thing that I would just have on in the background while I'm doing stuff, you know, like listen to some some cool, uh, some cool concerts.
0: Yeah, I, I the orchestral concert for Zelda, I cannot recommend enough. Like, it's so good. So well done. The arrangements are timeless, no matter what uh, what game they're pulling from. And like seeing A Link to the Past music performed live never disappoints and then obviously like the tears of the kingdom uh main theme is so fantastic and it's it's just amazing to see that and then like you know there's there's some other certifiable bangers (laughs) on in the zelda uh catalog so yeah go go check those out on the nintendo youtube channels they're they're fantastic and then we have one more news story to cover here kyle last night dice which is a huge game industry gathering it's a convention uh normally it's like i would say it's the biggest like industry only gathering where it's like just like people like developers journalists everybody kind of coming together purely for like workshops and round tables and stuff like it's very i went a couple years ago and it's a very different vibe from like an e3 or even a gdc where it's Mm. like GDC is still like a professional, like they're doing panels and talks and everything. And it's geared very much towards developers. This is legitimately like just like professional development. Like there were some days where it's like, okay, well, there's nothing here that applies to me. So I'm just going to kind of go and like sit and have lunch with these developers and like, kind of like make contacts that way. Because like, do I want to sit in on like this extremely technical discussion of, like monetizing your game. And I'm just like, it ah, doesn't really apply to anything that I'm like working on. No, sure. But yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's a great place to like meet people and talk to people. And it, it is, it happens in Vegas every single year, but last night dice wrapped up uh, dice 2024 with the dice awards. And it was hosted by Greg Miller and Stella Chung. And I already mentioned that Koji Kondo was inducted into the AIAS hall of fame, He's the second person from Nintendo behind, probably you guessed it, Shigeru Miyamoto, and that all went according to plan. Um, people were very, very excited to see a legend like Koji Kondo get his flowers, and uh, I think he's the first composer to make it into the Hall of Fame, if I'm not mistaken, and rightfully so because yeah,
1: if it, there, if there was going to be a first, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean,
0: I mean, Shigeru Miyamoto was the very first person inducted into the Hall of Fame. I think 27 years ago. So it would make sense that uh, his longtime coworker is the first composer to be inducted into it. Uh, so Nintendo took home a few awards, and it lost quite a few as well. So uh, Super Mario Brothers Wonder took home Family Game of the Year, and Tears of the Kingdom took home Action Game of the Year. And then uh, here are the ones that lost. <laughs> Mario Wonder lost in Outstanding Achievement in Animation tears of the kingdom lost in outstanding technical achievement and game of the year and then both mario wonder and tears of the kingdom were nominated for outstanding achievement in game design and outstanding achievement in game direction they did not win either of those categories and then f099 lost in the racing game of the year category and if you're curious uh if tears of the kingdom did not win game of the year what did uh, kyle you want to take a wild guess I think it's probably Baldur's Gate 3, I'm thinking. You sure are correct there right. because, I mean, I feel like if Baldur's Gate 3 doesn't exist, Tears of the Kingdom probably sweeps every single Game of the Year category instead of just winning a select few like it did with Game Informer. Like, Baldur's Gate 3, fantastic game, worthy of all these accolades and awards. But, you know, that that's it, it won at the Game Awards. It won uh, last night at the Dice Awards. And it makes sense. It's just a phenomenal uh i mean to this point it's a once in a lifetime type of game yeah and uh yeah i mean you can't really say anything bad about it tears the kingdom won game informers game of the year but it uh and all things nintendo's game of the year but you know it's uh baldur's gate 3 well deserving and uh shout out koji kondo hall of famer koji kondo long overdue if you ask
1: me yeah turns out that guy's real talented
0: Yeah. So that's all the news that we have, Kyle. We're going to take a break right here, and when we return, we'll be getting impressions of two big new releases on Switch this week. We'll be right back. It's been a pretty quiet year for Nintendo so far, but we do have two new titles, if you want to call either of these new on Switch this week. First up, we have Mario vs. Donkey Kong, which is a remake of the 2004 Game Boy Advance game. But we also have a remaster compilation in the form of Tomb Raider 1 through 3 remastered. Kyle Hilliard's still here, but we're also now joined by Game Informer's Charles Hart. Charles, how are you doing?
2: Hello! I am doing great. I feel like I'm Donkey Kong and I just found a whole burlap sack of mini Mario toys.
0: Wow, you're that happy. I, I'm happy that you are <laughs> that happy because that, that is a level of glee that we should all aspire to. <laughs> uh, we just had you on the show a couple weeks ago to give your preview of Mario vs. Donkey Kong. You seem pretty high on it at that point. Uh, I guess, what more can you tell us about this game that uh, goes beyond the scope of what we were able to talk about during the preview embargo phase?
2: Uh, that's a great question. I think the main thing I didn't really get to touch on is um, after you beat the first main eight worlds, uh, there's eight more worlds. <laughs> and It's basically just like uh, when you're playing the first eight worlds, it's like, OK, the game will end after world eight. But it's really like there's 16 worlds because of how... Uh, when, when does this come out? When does this
0: episode come out? It there's is out cool. today, the okay, the cool. same day that Mario vs. Donkey Kong hits.
2: Well, then I can say uh, the story continues, um, which is not really a spoiler because
0: it was true <laughs> of the original game. Uh, but oh, yeah, yeah so like, there were like
1: the two or three sequels, right? So yeah. there's been a, yeah. Th-
0: yeah, this has become a whole series in the time since this uh, the original 2004 Game Boy Advance game.
2: Well, my yeah, my point being the story continues after World Eight. There's like a second. Ending basically, like the um, plus worlds, right? The plus worlds, um, and it's basically harder versions of all the worlds. And the main thing I'll say to those is they are hard. <laughs> it is correct. <laughs> this game does get a lot more difficult, which is enjoyable because it's like if you feel like if if you stuck through those first eight and you want to keep going, it like really does challenge you. Which is one of the reasons I am really into this casual mode, which basically gives you respawns within the level without resetting stuff. And in some of those plus worlds, it is particularly av- aggravating and I'll spend like half an hour on one level just because I can't time a certain jump. Right. So being able to like float back and respawn real quick is very convenient.
0: So for people who may have missed the episode a couple weeks ago, the elevator pitch for Mario versus Donkey Kong is basically, it's a puzzle platformer where you are playing as Mario navigating these different obstacle courses that are almost reminiscent uh, in some ways to the original Donkey Kong game, but also like, a lot more intricate you have different traversal options but there are still some of those elements from the original donkey kong like the hammer that Mm -hmm. has become more famous through super smash brothers but it did originally appear in the donkey kong arcade game uh but you know there's enemies that you have to either defeat or avoid or ride on top of there are poles that you can swing on to reach higher areas uh different switches you have to throw that will spawn different Uh, Walls, And basically the whole point of it is to uh, get the keys in the first half of each world, right? And then that unlocks the doors. And then the second half is to round up mini Marios, if I'm not mistaken, correct?
2: Yeah. And and the plus worlds actually all have a different task where I believe they're all one part. And in this part, you just have to uh, there's one mini Mario in the level. That'll follow you around and he has a key that just like follows him. So you have to escort the mini Mario to the door.
0: Now, um, is it better than like a, a typical escort mission? <sighs> no. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's not. It's it's what you'd expect. It that was definitely like the most annoying part of me being like I I think it, it frustrated me because one of the things I like about this game so much is Mario's mobility and how I can do cool jumps and skip sections of the level. Or I can just feel like I'm doing really well. Um, but you have to wait for this mini Mario to like follow you and do specific jumps. So lining that up specifically was kind of frustrating, but I, I, I wouldn't like knock points off of it because it's like, if I could just, you know, spring and flip through every level, it wouldn't get any harder. And I'm playing the game this late because it's harder. Um, But yeah, I won't
0: say it's 0% annoying to have this little baby follow you around. (laughs) So uh, I guess like kind of carrying forward with the review process of this game from the the preview phase that we were able to talk about a couple weeks ago, how did your opinion of the game evolve in the time since?
2: Um, I think it's been roughly the same in terms of I'm just surprised by how well it Holds up, and I think the deeper I got in it, the more I was like, I feel I'm very glad that I don't feel like I've played the same level twice. Like, it it, the basic mechanics of this game are not very complicated. It's bring key to door and then get to end of the second level, and maybe collect some presents along the way. And the fact that like each world adds enough interesting stuff, and there are only like six levels in that world, um, I think kept it concise enough that it never got boring or repetitive, and then that second half of the game where it changes the objective on you does switch stuff up a lot where stuff that was not a problem for me suddenly became a problem. Um, and the actual puzzle solving became a lot more intense. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's worth playing. It's, just, it's also, uh, I think I said it was like a good, <laughs> it's a good game to play on your switch while like you're watching a TV show or something. Like it doesn't always <laughs> demand your full attention, but it's like a fun fun
1: distraction
0: it would be a great mobile game honestly well thankfully it's not because i'd much prefer to have it on my switch with like good controls and no microtransactions i don't
1: don't want to blow you guys' minds but the switch is a mobile device It sure is. Kyle, it sounds like you did want to blow our minds. (laughs) Uh, Was I successful?
0: I mean, to be fair, that did kind of blow our minds in that initial reveal trailer where the guy was playing Breath of the Wild and he's like, oh, my dog wants to go for a walk. (laughs) The old ball and chain, And he's like, well, I can bring my Switch to the park and not have to pay attention to reality. And uh, yeah, that blew our minds. So, Kyle, thank you for, for visiting us from the year 2017. You're welcome. It's better uh, but,
1: here, by the way. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, Charles, how would you recommend this? If somebody like was just like a Switch owner and they were like, hey, I'm thinking about checking out this Mario versus Donkey Kong game and you don't know anything about their taste, how would you recommend this game? Like, If you like Blank, you should check it out.
2: Um, that's a good question. I mean, it definitely isn't like, you know... It's not my top 10 Switch games or even probably my top 20 Switch games. I think it's just like a solid entry. I think it's good for, um, especially with the casual mode, if you just got like a kid that just wants to press buttons and jump around a level, I think uh, this could be pretty kid-friendly with these new adjustments. Um, I don't know. I don't play a lot of puzzle games, so I don't really know what it's similar to. It is interesting in that it is a puzzle game, but it's also a platformer. But if, I, if you really like like Mario Wonder, I wouldn't say that. You like that platforming? Check out this platforming, because it's completely different. Um, but I don't know. I, I think it's also very much like, uh, I like this game, but it is what it says it is. <laughs> like, if you look at two seconds of gameplay, I think you're going to have a sense of, of what the game is. And if that kind of old school uh, puzzle platforming interests you, I think, I think you might be surprised by it how much it holds up
0: now what percentage would you say it's like puzzles versus platforming i know a lot of time they go hand in hand Mm. in this game but like if you had to assign like a a ratio what would you say it is
2: uh honestly that's a good question it might be like 50 50 because there are some there's definitely some levels where i'm sitting there and i have to like really look at it to be like i don't know how i'm gonna solve this and there's other levels where i'm like i know exactly what i'm supposed to do it's just a matter of execution. Um, I'd say probably 60 puzzle, 40 platforming.
0: Okay. Well, anything else we need to know about Mario versus Donkey Kong before we wrap up uh, talking about this game?
2: Uh, it's out now. And if you want to buy it, it's uh, 50 bucks, which might, it's a little much, I think, 50 bucks. I think it's a this would be a good $40 game, but
0: I'm not Mr. Nintendo moneybags, so I don't <laughs> set the prices. Nintendo does like money. <laughs> we haven't known that about them. Uh, they are, in fact, a business. Uh, you gave Mario vs. Donkey Kong an 8 out of 10. And if you want to read Charles' full review, you can do just that on GameInformer.com. And then before we wrap up this episode, Kyle, you have checked out a little bit of Tomb Raider 1 through 3 Remastered. Talk to me a little bit about this bundle.
1: Yeah, and you actually checked it out with me. We have a new gameplay today video of it on our over on our YouTube channel it's it is the first three Tomb Raider games and not the trilogy
0: not like the reboot trilogy like we're talking like no. the old school like PS1 titles right
1: yeah like 90s right like when did that first Tomb Raider game come out no no one was born yet then so no one could possibly know Charles don't even start with that today <laughs> look it's, it's Charles is obligated to make everyone feel old on
0: 2001.
1: Podcasts. no man before, oh, okay was, I was, around. I was around no, wait no no never mind
0: 1994. 96? Oh, What's 96. wrong with you? <laughs> uh, Wikipedia is very, very uh, confusing. It's like Tomb Raider, known as Lara Croft Tomb Raider from 2001 to 2008. And then it was like this developer oh, from 1994. Yeah, it's just like oh, a very okay. weird, confusing way that Wikipedia. Uh, believe it or not, Wikipedia was not written <laughs> particularly well in this case.
1: Yeah. Anyway, 1996 is was the first uh, release of of um, Tomb Raider, and I I didn't play those games. I started in the PS2 era when they remade the original Tomb Raider. I think it was like Tomb Raider Legend. I think was like the first the first one that I properly played. Yeah, Angel of Darkness came out in 2003, and that was the one that just like. <laughs> they they like took a step back and they're like, okay, people don't like this. So we need to like actually think this through and figure out what we want to do with Tomb Raider. And they took a couple years off and came back with Tomb Raider legend, which that was like the first reboot before the next 2013 reboot. But anyway, those games don't matter because this is just <laughs> the first three games, which I had, I had never played. I did discover playing this collection that I had played a demo for two, like on the family computer and like couldn't even get past what'd you say no no, no 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 just uh the the whole, the hilliard household family computer which was not the not the japanese nes it turns out but uh that those games are tough they're weird they have like tank controls like they play more like resident evil than a proper sort of like 3d action game because it was very early in developers' understanding of how that should work and feel yeah, I mean, this was the same year that Super Mario 64 came out, so it's like,
0: when you put it in that lens, it's like, yeah, this was extremely early in, like, any
1: kind of 3D gameplay. Yeah, like Crash Bandicoot was floating around at that point, but um, it's, I mean, it, it's, I like, I enjoyed going back to it because you get that, it, it's fun to get that sort of context and think back to how people probably felt about seeing this for the first time and I I and you kind of understand why it was mind blowing cuz like the animation is still pretty it's still pretty good and like you have these big open areas and you're like climbing deeper and deeper underground and like Laura can jump like really high in an impressive way shockingly high yeah but it feels it's cool and um the 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 remasters what, what they did with them which is like how I really like these kind of remasters to be pursued like i like a full proper remake but if you're going to like you know put the original games on a on a new platform which is basically what this is they they you can play with the old controls if you want they are the original games are fully present there um but they did add like they changed out a lot of the textures and they redid laura's character model and stuff like that so the game looks uh, moderns may be too strong a word. It looks better. It looks a lot sharper, um, but you can press the start button at any time to go back to the original visuals, which I, which I love. Yeah. Like Where Halo like... two and the Halo remake and stuff like this. I, I love being able to switch back and forth between the original visuals and the new visuals. Mm-hmm. And this, uh, the remaster collection makes it very easy. It's just the start button and you can switch back and forth whenever you want. Uh, which is nice. Yeah, I I actually never played these original games. Like my
0: knowledge of the Tomb Raider franchise begins and ends with that uh, the reboot trilogy that Crystal Dynamics did uh, several years ago. Now at this point, I, I guess. That first one was eleven years ago, which is yeah, wow, jeez. That that makes me feel extremely old, and also half of Charles' life. Yeah, I was I was like in seventh
1: grade. So, uh, I I was I was like, uh, I remember covering it a Game Informer. I remember when the review copy came in and Matt Miller was playing it, and we were all like, "How is it? How is it?" Uh, wow. It Turns was very funny. good.
2: I replayed those <laughs> games recently, and every time I look up a review, I'm like, "Who reviewed this?" Oh, it was Matt Miller. Oh, yeah, it was every yeah, time. So man, I did all the Assassin's Creed games. That was all Matt Miller. Yeah,
1: Matt Miller. I think, I, Miller Miller have, I, think I have it. that game on my Steam Deck. Actually, the 2013 game. Like, I downloaded it because I was like, "I love this game. I should revisit it sometimes." Was soon. a good game.
0: Uh, Matt Miller is also an Assassin's Creed uh, expert. He's actually written a book on Assassin's Creed. Yeah, Has he actually? that's right. Yes. How did no one tell me this? Yeah, you should have you you picked his brain while you were doing the replay of the entire Assassin's Creed <laughs> franchise. Or I guess first playthrough of the entire Assassin's Creed franchise that you did last year, right? Yeah, I just feel like I'm just surprised he fully knew that I was doing that. And he never brought it up. I... He's not a That's braggart. That's wild. Matt, Matt's a humble man. Yeah, he is. Uh, Kyle, I, yeah, so I have no history with the Tomb Raider, like the original games. Do you recommend that I check this out?
1: I mean, yeah, for the historical sort of uh, element of it, like it's it's nice to have the games on modern platforms. It's nice to kind of go back and see what they looked like and sort of think through why they were interesting. And I, you also can up they, they changed it to have like modern controls. So you can, there is a, a, an option in the settings to use modern controls, which makes a huge difference. The game feels way better that way. And I mean, realistically, I'm not. I'm not going to go and like beat all three of these games. Um, I might go back and play the the very first one some more. Um, but I, I don't know I like having that sort of uh, like archival access to these games. Um, and it also it, it would it's nice to like play them with the understanding that Crystal Dynamics is is uh, probably working. That not probably. I, I believe they have said they are working on a new Tomb Raider game yeah we don't unfortunately, know what is under, is it's embracer. probably going to be another reboot of some kind but it's it's good i think it's a good remastered collection though the one thing i maybe that it's lacking is like it doesn't really have a lot of like documentation of like you know it's nice sometimes these collections will include like you know even if we're, if we're looking at like the, the karateka and atari collections that recently came out where they have like it's basically like a virtual museum with the opportunity to play the games. This isn't what that is. This is just the original 3 games with some polish on them, which is nice. So I, I kind of miss that. It would be nice to be able to look at like concept art and stuff for the for the old Tomb Raider games, which I unless I missed it, I don't think that's here. But as far as like like I said having like sort of the archival versions of those original games and getting a chance to play them and understand why they became so popular. I think it's cool. I think it, I think Aspire did a good job. That's the, the the developer. Which of these three is your favorite, Kyle? I mean, one was weirdly the most accessible. Like you'd think you'd think they would have gotten better and better, but just playing through the beginning of the first couple of games, one is the one that seemed the most like, oh, I could I can make progress in this. Where two had some like crazy difficult platforming challenges, and three that that opening level was like surprisingly dense and hard to under and hard to read like mm-hmm. you know what i mean it wasn't like sort of a design in such a way where you know where to go <laughs> i got lost very quickly but one was more linear and i was like oh okay i'm, I'm making progress here i am tomb raiding at a good pace now so you know I, you are actually in line with the metacritic you would think
0: that it would go higher as we got like as the developers figured it out The first one has a ninety-one on Metacritic. The second one has an eighty-five, and the third one has a seventy-six. So a steady Mm. decline as you went on.
1: Yeah, Uh, of course, those are review scores. Driving boats and stuff like that around, where it's like, no, I want to. I want to raid raid tombs, tombs. exactly. (laughs) Jinx, you owe me fifty thousand dollars. I I guest spot on all things Nintendo. Yeah, right.
0: Uh, But is there anything else we need to know about the Tomb Raider one through three remastered uh, compilation?
1: I guess I should point out that I was playing the PlayStation 5 version mm-hmm. but it is on everything like X, like PS5 and 4 Xbox one and series X switch and PC um, and I so I was playing PS5 and it and it was it was it was super solid hopefully it's the same on switch I have not touched the switch version
0: yeah I, I haven't checked it out myself I just was on that new gameplay today with you which you can check out on gameinformer.com or the game Informer YouTube channel Uh, both tomb raider one through three remastered and mario vs. donkey kong are available now on switch and as kyle mentioned tomb raider one through three remaster is also available on pretty much everything else uh charles and kyle thank you so much for joining me on this episode of all things nintendo
1: thanks for having me
0: yeah and thank you so much to everyone for listening do me a favor if you haven't already throw all things nintendo a five-star review and hit that subscribe button if you want to get any questions or comments in get in touch with me at all at gameinformer.com or hit me up on social media at brian p shea you can also join the game informer community discord which is a perk for subscribing to our twitch channel even just for one month charles where can people find you on the internet I am at ChuckDuck365 uh, basically
2: everywhere and you can read my Mario vs. Donkey Kong review on GameInformer.com
0: and what about you Kyle?
1: Uh, just google me man you'll find me
0: (laughs) that is our show for this week thank you again for listening take care we'll see you next time